Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Community Is Our Middle Name podcast, proudly brought to you by Grandpa's Community Health. My name is Gareth Olver. Wonderful to be with you for another episode. And this week, with Homelessness Week having just wrapped up, we're doing a special podcast all about homelessness and what it's like in our areas and what people are seeing. We've actually got three people coming on the podcast this week to have a chat about it. From GCH, we have our housing support workers, Amber and Danielle. And from Aboriginal Housing Victoria, we have Uncle Neil, who uh, all gave up their time to come and sit down and actually sit down with me and uh, have a chat. So you might notice the sound quality is a little bit different. That's because we actually recorded this one in person, face to face. It was uh, a different experience, but it was great to actually sit down with people and and have a chat. And they're three very knowledgeable people, as you'll hear in the podcast, uh, all doing fantastic work. So instead of me talking about how good it is, how about I stop talking and I'll let you guys have a listen to it. This is our housing and homelessness podcast episode of the Community Is Our Name podcast brought to you by Grandpins Community Health. And we are here for you, your family and our community. This week on the Community is our middle name podcast. I am joined by Danielle, who is a supporting family at risk worker, Amber, who is a housing support worker here at Grandpins Community Health, and Uncle Neil, who is a housing engagement officer at AHV Aboriginal Housing Victoria. Thank you everyone for coming on for our first, first face-to-face podcast. How good's that? So, Amber, we might start with you because you're closest to the microphone. Can you talk a little bit about what we're here to discuss, which is homelessness and homelessness in this part of the world and Homelessness Week in general? Yes. So, today is the very first day of Homelessness Week. That's from the 1st to the 8th. Um, so, of course, we all, as we all know, homelessness is quite a big issue, not just in Australia, but around the world. Um, in this part of Victoria, especially regional, it's more hidden homelessness. So, say in Melbourne, you see <clears throat> people that are on the street, they're in your face. We're out here, they're staying with friends, they're sleeping on couches, they're staying in cars, they're hidden. You don't really see it as much, it's not so in your face. Um, so, we're here to discuss that really. And um, Excellent. How long have you been in this role, Amber? I honestly have been in the role for overly long, so it's just been over a year now. Um, I actually did my placement with um, Grampians Community Health, and that was in the mental health side of things, um, and was also in homelessness too. Before that, I was doing my community services diploma in Footscray, so... Okay. Yeah. Been around the, uh, the state a little bit, regional and metro. What about you, Danielle? How long have you been in this line of work here at Grandpids Community Health? Um, I've been working as a homelessness support worker for about six years now. Um, Also, we also worked within the family violence sector as well in the beginning. So, yeah, so I've been doing it for a little while now. Uh, So, Neil, can you tell us a little bit about your role, how long you've been doing that, and maybe about a bit of the work that uh, AHV does? Uh, Yeah, thank you again for having me on, representing AHV. 
I've been with AHV for four and a half years now, and before that I was a life coach with AHV, and now I'm the community engagement officer, uh, looking after the western region um, of Victoria and a little bit of the south southwestern and southeastern as well. My role is to primarily look after the families in their houses and the renters, whether it be a family, a couple, or just a single male or female in the houses. Um, just see how they're travelling along, um, not necessarily going there and asking why and how they're not paying their rent, and then that could lead to other bits and pieces going down the track, but just to find out if they are okay as a family unit. Um, I think that's the most important thing, and that reduces the homelessness that might occur uh, within the family structure. Um, either one or two leave the property and then they've got nowhere else to go because of other reasons um, within that family structure that might cause that sort of displacement. So yeah, that's what I do. I just do that. Go to the organisations and try and link our renters into them, either be Indigenous or non-Indigenous. So I cover everything in, in, in that regards. Yeah, a lot of travelling to lots of parts of Victoria, Metro, all the Western major districts and I have been doing some of the eastern side of Melbourne as well and the northern up to Bendigo and Chuga. Wow, you're yeah. clocking up the K's doing this job. Um, yes, yes, I should have one of those frequent flyer <laughs> things, yeah. Absolutely, you're, man, you're really covering a, a large area. So Danielle, what areas do we cover here at, at GCH? Um, so our homelessness programs, they sort of service the Stool, Ararat, Sanamid area and then down in sort of the Horsham area, the Salvation Army, Army does the homelessness support. So just for you, who's been here the, the longest in the homelessness team of all the people in this uh, podcast session, what changes have you seen in rates of homelessness, for example, in our part of the world? Uh, I've definitely seen it grow um, and I've seen the wait lists for government housing and transitional housing and um, they've grown as well and also the demand uh, for private rentals. So yeah, it's definitely changed in the beginning six years ago, maybe six months to a year you wait to get somebody, you know, a Department of Housing property. It's taking a lot longer now. so. That's probably the biggest trend in our sector at the moment. You know, the, the price of living is getting more expensive, the price of private rentals is getting more expensive, so it's getting harder for people that are on, you know, low wages, and particularly, you know, benefits like JobSeeker. It's very hard to, to get a rental property these days. So, yeah, that's definitely something that I've noticed. Yeah, and, and Neil, just for you, covering a, a bit of a larger area, is that is that something that you've seen as well? Uh, can you sort of echo what, what Danielle said in your role? Um, yes. Some of the renters would like to go back to country in a sense, and I'm speaking on behalf of the Indigenous uh, community here in this one. A lot of them would like to go back to country, especially the elders um, of the community, the male and the females, and they want to take their families back. But unfortunately, um, we do not have enough houses to accommodate that so then what I was alluding to before about the family structure just when some of them will just say no I don't want to stay here anymore I want to go back home and they leave then that will just cause 
homelessness again. Looking forward to that. Um, so I just got a bit of a stat here. In 28 Indigenous people, one person is homeless, which is not a very good um, stat. And I think that comes from the family structure, and that's what my primary role is to look after that structure and make sure that structure is together and try and link the red If there's any, any sort of stuff going on in the house, I mean, domestic violence, um, gambling, alcoholism, anything like that, I will try and link them in to get help so we can sustain them staying in the property uh, rather than just giving it up because of unforeseen circumstances and then leave and then they become homeless. Um, another stat is that there's 35,000 waiting on the housing list and there's 82% non-Indigenous homeless people and there is 38% Indigenous homeless people in Victoria itself at this point of time. So out of the Indigenous population, there is 6.97% homelessness, which is a big concern. Um, and I know that the government is trying to rectify this for the non-Indigenous and the Indigenous communities um, in Australia and Victoria and all the other states. Um, but it's just a long, long road to travel. Um, so I try and encourage our renters and the families to keep their structure together. And I'll do my utmost to try and link them in with services that can help them sustain that tenancy and keep that family structure together. That's non-Indigenous and Indigenous, uh, which I think is probably very, very important for all the organisations that are represented in Homelessness Week and for the organisations that they represent. Man, when you say that 38% of Indigenous people in Victoria are homeless, was that right? Yeah. When you consider the how small the percentage of Indigenous people are part of the population, that's, that's really something that really needs addressing, doesn't it? Oh, yes, for sure, for sure. And I think a lot of the organisations that I'm linked in with and have networked with are trying their hardest to do that. And I think they're on the same page as us, trying to keep that family structure together. So that first engagement with me, if there's anything going on, I'll try and pick that up and then ask, can I, with their consent, to engage with um, some of the health services and some of the other housing services to help them sustain that uh, tenancy in the house? Because we don't want anybody non-Indigenous and Indigenous, to be uh, walking on the streets and just living on the streets. You know, it's not healthy and it's not good. Amber, you're fairly new to this role. What have been for you some of the challenges that you have found coming into to work in the homelessness sector? I think for me it's been um, the reality. The reality that, say, you know, um, a high percentage of my clients are young single mums that are fleeing family violence. That's devastating. It's devastating to see that a woman that's in her 20s has already gone through that sort of experience, let alone with a child. But not just that. I think, you know, another high percentage of my clients have been the elderly. And again, domestic violence is a high contributor to women, elderly women. It's, um, it's been shocking for me. The good side of it is there's, you know, the emergency accommodation and public housing, but the wait list is so long. It's the question of what do we do in the meantime? Um, and that's been the most difficult part coming into the sector. 
But in saying that, I love my role, I love the people that I meet, I love supporting my clients, and um, I don't see myself leaving this role for a very long time. That's good, and good colleagues too, GCH, let's not forget that. Neil, did you have something to add there? Uh, yeah, just, uh, just a quick stat again. Um, out of the age group between 25 and 34, 22% are homeless, and 42% are female, and 58% are male. And that says a lot to um, why we are going down this path. Um, the males feel that um, they cannot do what they want to do, as in support the family and, and uh, the female partner or wife, and they just up and leave. That's only a very, very, very small case. But just that stat there of 58% of male um, are out on the streets um, homeless, sleeping rough and sleeping with share accommodation and things like that, which I think is just my opinion, stems from that family structure being broken. Uh, same with the females, that's 42%, which is, is, not, is not a good uh, thing because the females are more vulnerable out on the streets, homeless, rather than the men. Um, but I think we have to look after both. Danielle, um, the link between mental health issues and homelessness, can you speak a bit about that? Is, is that something that we see a fairly large crossover in? Oh, definitely. So, you know, one of the things that makes your mental health or contributes to stability is having that home, you know. So uh, when you don't have a home, when things are unsure, you don't know where you're going to next, you know, it has a big impact on people's mental health. So it's, it's one of the most common things that we see in homelessness and, you know, also drug and alcohol abuse because it's such a hard life to live when you don't know where home is. Amber mentioned as well about the, the people who are called the, the hidden homeless. I think I saw a stat doing some stuff to put up on our, uh, our social media this week for Homeless This Week. Only 7% of people are actually sleeping rough. The other 93% are couch surfing or they're in temporary or uh, accommodation or unsafe accommodation. Now we, we have seen in this part of the world, it was front page news on one of our local papers here last year, uh, the increase in homelessness around here and I don't want you to mention anyone specific because obviously we value privacy greatly but what sort of stuff do you mostly see do you mostly deal with people who are perhaps living at say Green Hill Lake in Ararat living in tents or caravans or would you see a lot of couch surfers yeah a lot of couch surfers definitely a lot of people that have either maybe they've um, ended a tenancy in private rentals and um, they haven't been able to find anything else. So we've got a lot of people living with extended families as well. So, you know, maybe a family with kids has to move back in with their mum and dad. So there's a lot of that sort of stuff going on. And that's not stuff we really think about, is it? When we think of homelessness, we generally think of the people, more so probably in the cities, who are living on the street corner, sleeping rough, holding up their, you know, we'll work for food, sign, whatever. Um, and that's a real hidden issue, I guess, hence the term hidden homelessness. Neil, in, in your role, what barriers do you see for, especially for Indigenous people, in trying to, to gain housing? Oh, gee, that, that's, a, that's a very contentious one, that one. Probably not working, uh, no stable residential record, so to speak. Um, and it, it, I think it's probably just a stigma as well, uh, which we are trying very, very hard not to to go down that track and try and turn our mainstream 
uh, real estate people in a favourable position to look after our people as well. Um, and in saying that, we do have a team that looks after and advocates for some of our, our Indigenous community members that are looking for private rental due to the fact that the waiting list is so long for Aboriginal housing, uh, community housing, launch housing, uh, in all the other housing organisations in Victoria. Yeah, it is very hard. I haven't come across it personally myself, but I have heard stories where um, as soon as you put the application in, you'll get a phone call the next couple of days and say, no, you'll be unsuccessful and things like that, where that could be not true, but, you know, it's just that stigma that is around it. Um, and I think it's going to be very hard to uh, rectify, but we are trying our hardest to, to do that. And we have a program going that um, some of the renters who are having trouble with that can ring up and we can put them onto the program that we, we have there running at AHV and um, try and get them and advocate for them to, to get private rental due to homelessness, if that's the case. But yeah, it is very hard, very, very hard. On the topic of real estate, what I'd like to add is um, it's really important, I guess, I've advocated, I've had clients that have linked in with real estate agents where they're renting, and I've made that effort to communicate with the real estate agents and really just say, you know, there's support out there. If these clients fall behind, reach out to us um, reach out to your housing services because, you know, they have funding to get their head in rent. They have funding to support, which keeps that person in the rental for longer, but also builds a relationship up with their real estate so that they will, mm. I guess, that stigma of, you know, they're on low income, we're not going to put them mm. in. It kind of diminishes that. Um, and the other thing really is we work very strongly with our clients to support them to enhance their rental applications, educate them around that, what they need to do, especially now with rentals <laughs> being so highly demanded, right? It's just... It's so hard it's around, around here, isn't it? Our still in particular, it's it's rentals are either ridiculously expensive or they just aren't around. And it's not just for low income, it's for everyone. It's mm. been a struggle and, you know, we, um, last year for um, Homelessness Week, we called around to the real estate agents and the question was, how many applicants are you getting per rental? And it was an average of up to 50 per rental. Um, so it's making, having that education with your client around making your application stand out. And so I guess for anyone listening that has friends or family or knows someone that wants to get into a rental but is struggling, how can they enhance the application? What can they do? Um, and I always say to my clients, simple thing like a rental cover letter we all know that applications for real estate agents for rentals it goes over what's your job what's your income they're the two primary things references if you don't have those things you're most likely going to be put to the side but not just that if you do have those things amazing but you want to also personalize it and say hey there's a human behind this application a rental cover letter allows you to personalise it, give a bit of yourself, um, whether you want to talk about why you actually want to live in the area, why you want that house, whether it's to be close to supports, family, work, just giving that little bit of extra, I guess, information so you can stand out and appeal to the landlord who ultimately has that final decision. Um, 
making sure you have all your documents that your real estate agent is asking for so they don't have to chase you up because they don't have the time to do that these days. So, you know, with my clients, I get them to do a rental cover letter, they've got the application, um, and then we tend to put in um, pay slips, their central income statement, uh, photocopies of their ID, all in a plastic pocket. It's right there, ready to go, and it shows that they're prepared. They really want the house, they're willing to go the extra miles. So it's just small things like that that can really help someone. That's really great advice. I remember, I remember working on those stats with the homelessness team last year, and I think pre-COVID it was about 15 people applying for rentals in this area, and then it jumped, uh, and especially with COVID, meaning a lot of people were moving from city areas yeah. to the country areas where it was more affordable, was, is the key word there. We really saw a big jump in that. Danielle, if anyone is looking to access services, because there, there can be a bit of confusion around this, yeah. how would people in this part of the world uh, end up perhaps speaking to yourself or Amber, what's the way that they need to go about accessing services? Yep, so there's a couple of ways. So Uniting Wimmera in Horsham, they, they uh, get the funding for the emergency housing and then they'll refer on to us for case management. Um, um, the support workers help them with things like the priority um, applications for government housing and applications for transitional housing as well. But they can also just, you know, ring up reception at Grampians Community Health and um, we can help them out that way too, so. Um, Neil, for, for anyone um, looking to access AHRE, how would they go about that? They can just ring um, the head office in Melbourne um, and they can ask for myself if they're in the Western region and my phone number is 04... Three zero nine zero two two five seven, or the head office is nine four zero three twenty one hundred, and they can certainly get hold of me, and I can give them the forms and help them go through the forms if they have any trouble. But AHV is a long term housing organisation, um, not a short term one. But in saying that, I will certainly try and put them into the right organisation that can help them short term, like uh, Uniting, um, Salvos, Vinnies, CAFs, any, any of those organisations like that that do short term uh, accommodation. So they fill out their forms and they can put them in and then they will hopefully get a house with us or with um, any of the organisations that are on the list that they, um, that they tick the boxes with. But just get the forms in and if there is any other issues that are going on in the house, like domestic violence and gambling and things like that, please put that on the list so that we can address it before we can go any further than that. But yeah, I certainly do keep in contact with all those organisations in regards to how the renter or the potential renter of any of the organisations are going. And if there's anything else I can do to help speed up the process in a sense, I will certainly try and do that for them, whether it be non-Indigenous or Indigenous. So, Neil, I'll just ask you about this one too because you mentioned earlier you work across regional and metro Victoria. Do you see any real differences in homelessness between the, the two parts of the state? Yeah, as Danielle said before about in Melbourne, when I was uh, a life coach and I was working in Melbourne because I'm based in Ballarat, I was travelling on the train every day going in and out and in the mornings when I would arrive at Flinders Street and at Spencer Street, they were just all over the place. And it was very, very sad to see, which was a bit of a concern 
Um, but yeah, there, there is a difference up here in the regional areas, Ballarat, Horsham, many of these places, Warrnambool. I don't see many, but in Metro we do a lot because there's nowhere else to go. But unfortunately here, um, a lot of family members live out this way and then they can, like we said before, about getting um, sleeping with family members for short term and then moving on to another brother or sister or, or whatever. Um, so there is a big, big demand out this way for it and my main concern is it's hidden and we don't see it, you know, until something happens. Um, and that's with my job as well. When I go to the properties for inspections and whatever, I did do see it then, um, that the family structure is broken. And I'll ask about um, the family members who are on the list or potentially living there, um, and they're homeless. You know, and they're just coming there for the day and they're moving on at night, you know, which is, which is not good for the mental health side of it. So then again, that's another issue as well. And it just goes down the line of all these issues that are coming up with each person um, because of, of, of one thing. But we do endeavour to try and keep the, the family structure together and that is our priority. Absolutely, and it should be the number one priority. Yeah. If, if it's, a, if it's a, unless it's a safety issue, of course. Yeah, as, as well as keeping the family um, in tenancy as well. So if they're in the rears and everything, the first thing they think is, oh, I'm going to get kicked out, I'll be homeless. And it's certainly not the case, but it can be the case. So we try and jump in early and get them on a payment plan and let them into services that Amber and, and Danielle are with and all the other networking people that I've met um, and we'll try and stabilise everything and just move forward, you know, and, and try and get them um, suitable housing. Any of the Indigenous community members out there listening, please don't feel shame. Just come and see me, ring me up, and I'll do my utmost to try and help your cause and try and get you on the right track because I think everybody needs help and we've, I'm working with some really, really great people that have your best interest. Um, and want to help and just yeah don't feel shame just come and see me great message danielle have you got anything you'd like to say before we uh put a bow on this podcast we do have um a vacancy at the moment in the homelessness program so for um an intensive case manager so if anyone listening you know as amber said it's it's a really great role to work in even though there is challenges and we get a big kick out of working with people and and like Neil said, you know, get, getting them on a more stable sort of footing and um, empowering them. So, yeah, I think, you know, mm. if you want to come and work for Grampians Community Health, it, it's a great organisation. And, yeah, we'd love to fill that position working intensively with homelessness clients. So, yeah. yeah GCH.org.au, head to our website, and you can go to the Get Involved tab. All our vacancies are there, and uh, I echo what uh, Danielle just said. I could think of worse places to be than uh, than GCH. That's for sure. It's a it's a good place to work. Amber, Danielle, Neil, thank you all so much for coming on the Communities of Middle Name podcast discussing homelessness. It's a it's an incredibly uh, vast and complex topic, and I really appreciate uh, all three of you figuring out some time to do this very first face to face podcast. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you to Amber, to Danielle and to Uncle Neil for coming and having a chat. 
in person, in our very first recorded in-person podcast of the Community Is A Middle Name podcast about homelessness and uh, homelessness in our communities and, and what they've seen in their work. Some great tips here as well from uh, all three about, you know, if you are facing homelessness or you know someone who is, about what to do and, and how to go about getting that help that, you know, that people need. And, and of course, this episode and every episode of the Community Is A Middle Name podcast is brought to you by Grampians Community Health and Grampians Community Health offers a wide range of services across Western Victoria, servicing the following local government areas, Northern Grampian Shire, Ararat Rural City, Horsham Rural City, West Wimmera Shire, Hindmarsh Shire, Yarriambiak Shire, Bulloch Shire, Southern Grampian Shire, Pyrenees Shire and Central Goldfield Shire. Services available include alcohol and other drug support, carer support, family violence support and assistance, gambling help, aged care and NDIS support, including NDIS support coordination and plan management, mental health services, counselling across a wide range of areas, drink drug drive programs, so much. We have so many programs. Head to our website, gch.org.au, and you'll be able to find every program on there and just see how we might be able to help you out. Uh, And you can also find us on social media as well. So facebook.com slash Grampians Community Health or just search for Grampians Community Health and we're on there. We are on Twitter and Instagram. Look for the handle at GCH Grampians. You can give us a call Monday to Friday, 53587400. Or you can come visit us. We have three main offices in Horsham, Stall, and Ararat. They're open 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. And uh, our fantastic customer engagement staff will be able to help you out if, and uh, point you in the right direction. This podcast and uh, all the other podcasts we have recorded are available wherever good podcasts are found, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, Amazon, Google, anywhere, anywhere pretty much. So it's great. You can listen to your podcast wherever you like. If you like it, subscribe. You can download it, listen to it at your leisure. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and you do subscribe, it'd be awesome if you left a, a bit of a, a, a review would be good because it does help people find the podcast and makes it uh, more visible for people who might be looking for information on some of the subjects that we cover. This podcast was recorded and produced on the traditional lands of the Jabwarung people and we'd like to pay our respects to all elders past, present and emerging and we'd also like to thank Andrew Parsons who did the intro and outro music and that was an original composition for this podcast and we use that with his permission so thank you once again Andrew. That's it for another week. I uh, hope you enjoyed this podcast. It was great fun getting together with uh, Amber and Danielle and Neil. It was really, really good crack. So I hope you enjoyed listening to it. Uh, I enjoyed recording it and I can't wait to catch up with those guys again. And I can't wait to catch up with you again as well. So until next time, my name is Gareth Olver. This has been the Community Examiner Name Podcast, proudly brought to you by Grampins Community Health. And we are here for you, your family, and our community, of course, Grampians Community Health, the original and the best. We'll be back again very shortly with another episode. So until then, sell on.